Hey everybody, welcome to the Top Cheddar Podcast, where we like to talk a little bit about hockey, about business, you know, after the hockey world. I'm Rob Lollisher, you can call me Lolly, and I got my partner in crime here. Cam Moon, you can call me Mooner. Okay, Mooner, I shall, Mr. Cam Moon. Mooner, good to see you, bud. Boy, good to see you too. Great, uh, what a great interview we had today. Mr. Oh, we did. Jason Strudwick. Oh, like, he's a beauty. He is a beauty. I mean, he's done so well in his, his post-hockey career in the, in the media and, and working on the radio in Edmonton. But the stories from his time in the NHL, from prior to the NHL, his, his journey to get there as a guy well, that, that was, was really a highly I, I coveted was, uh, guy. I yeah. found that really interesting, you know, that like he made it, he made a quick come up, you know, from midget, junior, junior, minors, yeah. NHL, like a quick turn. And, and uh, yeah, he, he shared some good stuff about, uh, you know, coming out of that winning culture in Kamloops and, and just how that really set the pace. So that, that was cool, cool to hear on the, uh, on the NHL front, uh, there's not many out there who can say they, they, uh, batted a thousand percent in, uh, in shootouts, but, uh, today's he's guest, one. Yeah. He's, he's a guy. One. So, yeah, it's, that was a good story. He, uh, I, I'm looking forward to everyone listening, listening to that. And then on the business side too, it, it's, I had no idea this even existed. And, and he's, he's invested in a new hockey business that, uh, I think he was a little Babe Ruth called his shot because they were working on this uh, pre-pandemic, but it's all virtual. So that that uh, boy, it looks like they got some really cool opportunity with that stuff down the road. So yeah, uh, a lot of good stuff in this Dreadwick interview, and I hope you all can enjoy or uh, join us for it. Uh, cannot forget to thank our sponsor of the show, Twig and Berries. What do you say about that, Mooner? We love them. We, we love twig and berries. We love twig and berries. We should qualify that. We love the apparel. The, I'm, That's I'm right. not a personal twig and berry fan. My, I love one twig and berry set. Uh, yours is nice too, Mooner. I don't want to <laughs> say that, that I don't That's care right. for yours. But, uh, but that company, we love that company. We love twigandberries.ca. Head there, folks. And, you know, they, they've got everything from men's underwear they have their own underwear line nutsack mm -hmm. which is awesome uh socks hoodies shirts hats uh and guess what use the code top cheddar and you'll save 15 percent off on your purchase so come on you got a you got a great deal they got great prices to begin with so head to twigandberries.ca okay mooner without further ado let's let's say hello to mr strudwick all right so here we are mooner we uh very excited to, like I was saying a bit earlier, to finally not have a Red Deer Rebel on the on the Top Cheddar podcast, and back to a much better junior hockey team from the Kamloops Blazers. Really excited to have Jason Strudwick join us today. Struds, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, you're talking about a winning culture, right? I think I read you. They 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 won a Memorial Cup, didn't they? That that one year. Yes, yes, they did. Yeah, two thousand and one. Okay. Yes, two thousand and one. Yeah, so yeah. two thousand and one. Yeah, that was yeah, probably a sense. gift. That was like an expansion yeah. gift, even though it was like what ten years later after. <laughs> that was expansion? about ten years later. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, part of the deal. It was still probably all the best Bantam picks from every other team <laughs> that you guys stole in the expansion that uh, yeah, that got you one. Um, yeah, Mooner, how you doing, bud? Oh, doing very well. Doing very well. Excited to talk to uh, Jason Strudwick. Always nice. Nice. I absolutely appreciate it. Right on. Well, Struds, uh, I'm going to back up and I'm going to let Mooner uh, lead the charge. I know he's got uh, uh, some great questions about uh, your illustrious hockey career that, that, like you said, kicked off with some uh, some winning 
winning Memorial Cups in a, in a great city, a great town, and uh, Mooner, take her. Okay, I shall. I, Jason, when I, I look at your, your history in the game, you are a guy that I, I would say is, is not typical in that you played AAA midget at 17, uh, went to the Blazers and played at 18 and 19, and you were in pro at 20. Uh, I've been working in the WHL for a long time. It's not very often where you see somebody play AAA midget at 17 and, and then get to the WHL in the first place, let alone go on to have a 17-year pro career. Uh, tell me about that jump going to the Blazers as an 18-year-old. When did it kind of come into your focus that, hey, I, I can be a WHL player? So growing up, I was nothing special, you know, um, obviously very attractive, but as far as hockey, you know, I wasn't easily, exactly easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. I wasn't, yes. you know, yeah. Just, well, just a minor detail. I thought we should yeah. guess that, you know, I, I, I wasn't anything special, you know, and I, I was very, we, my family was a very naive hockey family. Um, my mom and dad and I, and my sister, I just played cause I loved it. You know, and I, I think that one of my biggest attributes was competing. I, I love to compete, you know, and uh, I played basketball growing up. I played hockey, lacrosse, golf, all that stuff. I loved it. And uh, I remember when I was about 14, I thought it'd be great if I could play for U of A Golden Bears. That, that mm -hmm. was my goal. I, I never dreamt of playing the NHL. Like, I pretended I was in the NHL, but I never thought, man, I could do it. Now, I have two cousins, Anita Myers, who, you know, are, you know, you could debate that they're better hockey players than me, but they, <laughs> their, their dream was to play in the NHL. Like, that was... But I never, and I was cousins. I never, I'm like, okay, good luck, guys. I never thought of it. So, you know, I just kept playing and growing up. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, through high school, I played hockey and basketball all, you know, all the time. And I think that that really developed a lot of athleticism. And I think it kind of got me into shape, uh, what got me into good shape. And so when I played, did play hockey, I looked probably better than I actually was, especially in midget. And um, we were an awful team. And, uh, you know, the, the, the campus player just saw me play. And they're like, we, we want you. And uh, my dad, I remember, he didn't tell me at that time. And he said, no, Jason wants to go to university, which I did. And then about two weeks later, they came back again. And like, no, we really want to talk to Jason. And my dad's like, oh, I guess so. So my dad tells me, and I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? I, I had no idea. So we sit down and we ended up going down to visit them. And um, I went down there for a weekend. I'm like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And, you know, I, again, I wasn't even thinking about the NHL. I thought it'd be great. I had three years of eligibility left. And they're going to give me four years of, university um, tuition and, and board a room if I made it that for the three years. So I'm like, this is great. You know, I, I'll get to go to school and I'll get my dream of playing for the Golden Bears. So I, I roll into Kamloops, kind of tall and skinny, really no expectations. And uh, Don Hayes, our coach, and, yeah. you know, I did okay. I'd say before Christmas, not, I was in and out of the line a bit. And then I'll never forget it before Christmas. He brings me in. It's him and Bob Brown and Don Hayes. And, or, and myself, I should say, we're sitting there and he's like, uh, you know, Strutty, you know, how's it going? I'm like, good, good, you know, whatever. And he's like, you know what, I'm not, I, I, I would suggest that you have to play a little different than you did in, in major or in midget. Like what that is like, you have to be mean. I'm like, okay, you know, I can be mean. It's like, yeah, you might have to fight sometimes. I'm like, okay. And, you know, I, I kind of knew that, but you, know, you kind of kid yourself a little bit thinking about who you are. So after Christmas, um, I decided, okay, I'm going to be a prick out there and I'm going to be... <laughs> big and mean and it was funny I, I really didn't have to fight anymore which is weird you know I was I was already fighting a little bit and then I, I was a little bit more prickish and actually probably gave me more room and after that my my junior career just took off I was partnering with a young guy or a guy named Aaron Keller 
And uh, we became the second pairing and our team took off. I took off. Didn't hurt that we had Shane Doan and Joe McGinn on these guys, but we just exploded and uh, won the Memorial Cup. And then I got drafted. So I went from being on arguably the worst midget team in the history of hockey in, in Edmonton <laughs> at the end of, let's say, March, April, to being drafted like 14 months later and winning the Memorial Cup. So to say that my life changed a lot um, was a huge oh. uh, understatement. And I think to answer your camera, that was the first time I actually thought I could play in the NHL was when I got drafted. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. You guys had, a, I know you guys had a great WHL final where you won in seven against Saskatoon that mm -hmm. first year you were there. What do you remember from that series? Um, I remember it was tight and they were a good team. Um, then we got to the last game it was in Edmonton or in uh, Kamloops. And uh, I want to say we won like seven, eight, one. And I'll never forget it. We were, we were up by eight, eight to one or nine, or whatever the score was. It was really one-sided. We just, we just played really well and they had an off night, but guys were still blocking shots at eight, one. You know, I remember I, I gave a bad pass and I dove in front of the guy to block a shot. And I didn't even think anything of it. I, I came back to the bench and our uh, defenseman coach, uh, Ed Dempsey, said, great block. And I'm, I was looked at the clock. You know, we were winning like by seven or eight. I'm like, why are we blocking shots? But that was the culture that they created. Yeah. And, you know, for, for, for me selfishly and all the guys that went through that program, we had a ton of professional success. But it's because of those details. And um, those, the details they put into us, like, you know, it sounds simple, but stop in front of the net, um, you know, get in the shooting lanes, tape to tape passes, make every shot count. Um, all those things that just, you know, you think that coaches should work on, but we don't spend enough time on that. Just planting those seeds. And it, it carried me for, like you said, whatever it was, 17, you know, 17. Coaches. Yeah. Well, and then you guys go back to back and, and that's part of a run where it was three Memorial Cups in four years. Lolly, you were part of the one in 92. Uh, but you guys do it in 95, you were hosting. Uh, I was there for the whole thing. I, I, I remember what the city was like. It was amazing. Yeah. You couldn't go anywhere in Kamloops without knowing about the Memorial Cup. And not only that, you guys were hosting it. So you knew you were hosting before the season even started and you still won the league, which that says a lot about the professionalism for sure from coaching staff all the way down through the players because you know you got a free pass yet you still go in and you beat Brandon in the WHL final. Uh, I've watched junior hockey for a real long time. And that, that is right up there when I talk about the best teams I've ever seen with my own eyes in person. That team's right up there, the 95 team. What type of year was that? Well, we, we did find out we were going to host it. And um, you know, we won that. I think that first year was very unpredictable. We didn't no expect us to do it. Uh, Portland was supposed to be the big team with Adam Denmarsh and these guys and we just, we just outplayed them. And then um, with the next year, right from day one, Don Hayes says, we're not, we're not going to back our way into this. We're going to win everything. And so all year long, he was honest. I remember just, he would drive you crazy sometimes. We'd, you know, we'd, we'd play in Tacoma and drive to Seattle, which isn't a long drive. And then the next morning, would be like, we're practicing on a back-to-back. And you'd just lose your mind. Like, you'd be so mad. And um, come on, Hazer, give us a day off. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think Hazer even knows what a day off is. I don't, I still don't think <laughs> it's like a swear word for him. So we, we did, you know, we, we just grinded and grinded. And I remember when I arrived that year, he, he, he said, no, you're going to have a big part in this group. And, um, you know, we, we need you. We need your leadership because we lost some really good leaders. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I think I know what that looks like. But he played me every single game that year, every exhibition game, every regular season, every playoff Memorial Cup. 
I think I played like 107 games that year. Oh I my. You're 19. And, uh, you know, I was working out, I was figuring out what my body could do. And I loved it. Like I'm looking back, that's some of my favorite hockey I was ever part of. And we had such a good team, but we were so dedicated to winning. And you talk about that final against Brandon, we got down two nothing. Uh, and then what Western final, Western league final and driving to Brandon, you're like, Oh my God, we got to go play against like Dingman and Kluche, yeah. Wade Redden, McCabe, all these animals. And we're like, screw it. You know, let's just make them have a bad day. And we beat them. Then we beat them. We beat, I think we ended up winning four, two, we won four straight. Yep. And then we got some World Cup. And again, we just rolled through everyone. And I think one of the things that I'm proudest of of that team is we never lost a game in Memorial Cup. Because uh, there comes a point when you're in the Memorial Cup where it doesn't really matter that last game, whether you win or lose. But Don Hay always said, he goes, those people are going to be in misery. Put them out of misery t- or put them out of misery today. Like hurt them today. And we did it. I think it was to North Bay, maybe the first year. Then I, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Brandon, whatever. But he's like, put them out now. So it's one less thing we have to worry about. And he just taught us to step on people's throats. And um, like I said, you know what? I, I could not have had in a better situation. If I'd gone to another program, I don't know if I would have had success I had it professionally because he just, he and, and, and the teammates like Tyson Nash talk about mm-hmm. irritating and Tucker and Dooling and Ginla, Don, Huska. Like there's so many, we push each other. We yeah. fight some practice weekly, if not more than that. Guys are battle, you know, and, and I just learned to do that and competing and, you know, never backing down. And, um, you know, I think that the hockey has evolved in a lot of ways, but those things I'm talking about are still characteristics that I think teams are looking for. Like, you know, every puck is yours, winning puck, winning races, winning the front of the net, making life hard for the other team in the court, like all those things that um, you don't see them on Instagram. You know, you don't see TK Barber, you know, grinding it out in the corner. He's got, yeah. and that's a great skill, but there, there's, a, there's parts of the game I think are underappreciated. And I know coaches are looking for that. And so, um, you know, guys like Don Hay and people call them dinosaurs. I don't think at all. I think they totally got it bad. No, you're right. The ability to compete and the willingness to compete, yeah. I think, are very important attributes. I loved, uh, Don Hay, that our year in Kamloops there, Strads, where Tom Rennie had gone away for the World Juniors, mm-hmm. that, that two-week break, and Hazer took over as head coach. And, yeah. and a lot of us feel that that was a pivotal moment where, you know, Hazer brought back the, you know, we're going to dump it in, boys, and go yeah. you know, kick the shit yeah. out of them and, and <laughs> yeah, just yeah. kind of put that gritty to what was, a you know, obviously a very talented yeah. team led by by your cousin there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, oh, I, I loved Hazer. He was, he was a great guy. Yeah. Yep. Still is. <laughs> still, still is. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love seeing yeah. Don Hay, uh, now assistant coach in Portland and, yeah, always good times to, to talk with Don. What a great hockey guy. Uh, Jason, you get your, your first year pros, your 20-year-old year, so you, you play two years of junior. <laughs> You're playing pro at 20. In three years previous, you were playing AAA midget and playing basketball yeah. at for high For a shitty school. midget team, let's clarify yeah. that. Yeah, for a yeah. bad yeah. midget team. Yeah. You get your first game in the NHL with the New York Islanders. You're an Islander pick at 94. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love asking guys about their first games because it's got to be such a special moment where you've, where you've, you've kindly got, you finally got there. I mean, you're not, you're not a full-time NHLer yet, but you're getting the taste of it. What was the first game like? Oh, I remember I was so nervous, so nervous. And I called my mom and dad and told them they couldn't believe it. But what's crazy was the game was going to be, I think on a Friday, a Saturday night. Uh, At home or away? Hartford, Hartford and Islanders. So before my game on Friday night in the minors, I'm in the minors and Jimmy Roberts, our coach comes up. He's like, study. We're getting called up. I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here, bitches. 
you know, and, um, and he's like, no, no, you're going to play this game tonight. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta play. So I'm like, I'm telling guys, like, I'm getting called up after this game. Like, I'm Don't like, let I, me get hurt, boys. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I could have played wrapped in eggs. I didn't look at anyone. I didn't touch anybody. <laughs> didn't block a shot. I don't even remember if I even got broke a sweat. Yeah. So I, I uh, after the game, I had to drive. I drove from Worcester to Hartford, which is like an hour and a half drive, two hours. And uh, I get in my hotel room. It's like midnight, and my roommate's asleep. So I like. This guy, I, I, mean, I, I, to me, it wasn't very team, you know, very good teammate. I walk in, all the lights are off, and um, he, he doesn't even say hi. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So yeah. I just quietly slip into my my bed, and I'm just laying there. I can't sleep. I'm so rattled, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna get another game in Chelsea. I better make this one count. It's like I'm gonna fight somebody. So uh, we walk in Hartford, the the, the arena, the next uh, the next day for the game, and I'm so nervous. Like I'm sweating and. Oh, hell, I, I think I, I didn't even know what's going on. And I remember I go up for warm-up, and there's two guys. There's um, Kelly Chase mm-hmm. and then Francois LaRue. Now, Kelly is a tough guy, not super big. Francois LaRue is like the last. He's a monster. Yeah. So I remember I'm stretching. I'm like, I look up. I'm like, God, you know, I, I know I don't talk to you that much, but if you can just help me out today, please let Kelly Chase be the one that plays tonight and not the big guy, Frankie LaRue. So we go in for a warm-up, they put the lineup, and it's Kelly Chase. I'm like, oh, yeah, I owe you one big guy. So we go out there, and, you know, eventually, I uh, actually played pretty well. But then I fight Kelly Chase, and, uh, and he was tough. And yeah. uh, kind of quick fight, and we fall down. I'm like, yes, five minutes. Like, I got a five minute. I'm on the on score the board. sheet. You're on the score sheet. So as I'm skating to the penalty box, so the ref is like, um, two minutes for roughing. Chase and Strato come like, what? Are you kidding me? Two minutes? So I, I sit in the box, and Kelly Chase is like, He's just giving it to me, like, you rookie, you effing rookie. Like, that's yeah. it, we're going again. I'm like, you better believe it, old man. And so I'm like, oh, my God. So I look up at the board, and it's like counting down. It's like a bomb. I'm like, oh, my God, someone please pull the fire alarm. So he's looking at me like, I'm going to murder you. I'm like, oh, my God. So we get out of the box, and we fight again. This time, I actually lasts long enough. Then I go back in the box again, and um, he's like, uh, good job, rookie. Good job. Good luck. I'm like, thanks, man. And then I just played the rest of the game. And I was, it was so great. Like, I felt good. You know, when you, you actually, when you're trying something, you're not sure if you can do it. Yeah. Like, I, 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 was, I thought I could, and people said you can, but until you believe it. And, and for me, it was simple game. You know, making uh, some breakout passes, you know, stopping a couple of one-on-ones, getting in a fight. Like, all those things I felt pretty good about. And so after the game, uh, I thought I was just going to drive home. So I'm just sitting in my stall, waiting for the coach to come around. And he comes over, he's like, hey, man, we had an injury. And we play um, tomorrow against the Rangers in Long Island. Um, can you come with us? You, you, you'll dress as a forward, but you're not going to play a shift. I'm like, you got it, buddy. It's your dime. Yeah. So I have to get back in my car, and I follow the bus all the way from Hartford to Long Island. Uh, that night, like that night, it's like whatever time I get there. Yeah. And um, they put me in a hotel. And I, so the next day I got up. I think it was an early game. And uh, I just sat right in the middle of the D-man and Ford for the whole game. I was eating protein bars. I had the best view. Rangers Islanders rivalry after the game. I'm like, great job. We'll see you in a little while. I'm like, okay, jump back in my car and drive home. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I did Pretty memorable first weekend. Yeah, yeah you were the it. gross. You grocery sticked. You were yeah, the grocery stick. It was predetermined. He's like, there's no chance you're going to play. I'm like, okay. No, and I was so relaxed. I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is a great thing. My mom, like, they watched it. I think I had to go to Boston Pizza. Like, we saw you on the bench. They were so <laughs> proud. <laughs> Like, okay, you know, at least I was there. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I know the, the year after that, you play in the yeah. American League, and then, then 
after that, so like your third year pro, uh, you get American League time, you get NHL time. What was it in your game that where you felt like, okay, now I'm, I've, I've put in my time in the American League and now I'm an NHLer? Like what, what part of your game evolved so much that you became a full-time NHL player? Well, there's two things. Number one is like, I didn't really fight much in junior. Um, so I learned how to fight. Like my first year in the minors, I think I had 23 fights and I probably lost them all. And then the next year in Kentucky, I started like winning some fights. Um, and then by the third year, I was like, I was a, a man. I wasn't killing people, but mm. I was, I could handle anybody. But the bigger part of it was the skill part. And we had this guy named uh, Vasily Tikhanov, Victor Tikhanov's son. He was our assistant coach in Kentucky. And, you know, when I got sent down, especially that second year to Kentucky, I was really disappointed. And um, he's like, you know what, buddy, you're, you're like this close. We, we just need to tweak a few things. And he goes, if you will we'll work with me, I'll work with you every day. So, yeah, I'll tell you what it's going to be. So, like, the day before we talk about, okay, I'll be on the next 20 minutes early or we'll do whatever. And he and I would work before and after practice for, like, 15-minute bursts on, on puck handling, um, like, scoring, although it didn't really help, but passing, like, all that kind of stuff, little details, and we did it all the time. So when I got called up at Christmas, my third year, I was ready. Like, I was, in my own way, dominating the American Hockey League. You know, like, I, I, was, I could feel it. You just start feeling it and the time with Vasily and learning how to fight and getting more space, all that kind of stuff. And it was huge. I mean, people think they come out of junior and you know what's up. You don't. You know, if you're a first rounder, you, you might know. But after that, it's, it's not that much difference between a third rounder and a second rounder or a fifth rounder and a third rounder. I mean, the yeah. difference is opportunity, obviously. But, you know, what have you put in? You know, like I, I, went, I think I went to junior, I was 208 pounds. Then I, my third year pro, I was 220 pounds of like man. I was a man, you know, not a little boy anymore. And I even became stronger as I went on along, you know, and it, it, it's not easy. You have to put a lot of time in and, and it's not a weekend gig. It's not when it's convenient. Yeah. And uh, I was lucky, like Vasily Tiganov, unfortunately he passed away a few years ago, but you know, outside of Don, my parents, Don Hay, um, he, he, to me, was probably the, the, the third most important figure in my life, hockey wise. Struds, do you think, were you lucky to get that extra help or do you think of some that you know what is, is there for everyone just yeah. not everyone took it yeah and that's what i think like when i see players today uh, with the opportunities that are presented not just in the nhl in the hl and in junior i mean when you can speak to it but i mean there's skills coaches everywhere like if your issue is skill i don't think there's really any any limitations towards what you can do it's just a desire to want to do it um you know vasily you know he after that that, that first year working together He's like, you know what you do? You need to stick handle a golf ball. I'm like, okay. He didn't tell me how much. So I went home and I stick handle a golf ball for 10 to 15 minutes every day from the time my season ended till I got to, to back to the, the, the camp the next year. So you do the math on like three, four months times 15 times. Like it adds up. That's a ton of time. And it's just wanting to do it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm a harder worker than anyone else, but I think I'm way more stubborn. And I'm like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll, I'll do the time to put the time that's necessary. And I think that you start seeing separation you know, on people that are willing to put the time in, you know, if, if you're not conditioned as an athlete, that's not that hard to figure out, you know, you skip the McDonald's and go for a run. Like you don't have to be a genius. Then now, then you get to junior or even below that there's people that are willing to help you. YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, there's more Instagram accounts with people putting pictures of being in shape. Just do what they do, you know, like, but back then, you know, I was lucky I had Rob and Scott Niedemeyer. They, they would tell me what to do. They would just tell me to run and we'd do all that stuff. But, you know, they weren't personal trainers. And now they're actually quite chubby. So 
obviously, I mean, I, you know, I, I, didn't, I, I learned better than they did. But you gotta, you gotta just, you know, as a player, and I, I, I don't sympathize with players that kind of hit a, a wall and they don't push through with their effort. If they're working as hard as they can, that's where you're at, fine. But like for me, you know, I didn't have a Sidney Crosby career, but I maxed out my potential. And, I, you know, so that's when people say, well, you only scored 13 goals in the NHL. I'm like, well, it could have been zero. So, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, I you, know, you, you max out what your ability is and then you go from there. Well, the effort's the one thing that you control. It's the so, one yeah. thing that, yeah, you control yeah. how much effort yeah. you put in. Yeah. And when you put the effort in, I think coaches see that, you know, yeah. and, I, and even now I coach uh, my kids and I, I look around and, you know, I, I gravitate towards the kids that try their best. You know, the kids that aren't really paying attention, trying, I still give them a little time, but I'm, it's more like a drive-by. Whereas with the kids that are giving their best effort, I'm like, you know what, I can see, and you might not be the best, but eventually you're going to catch up to the other kids because they're putting so much focus and time into it. I, you really settled into an NHL career with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, spent, what, four seasons? Four and, four and change, four and a half seasons there. Uh, what was your time like in Vancouver? Well, you know, Mike Keenan was there to start, so it was a little mm -hmm. chaotic for everyone. <laughs> but again, I was naive. I was just happy to be in the NHL doing my job i didn't i didn't look at what other guys were doing or getting paid or like, i didn't care about that i just wanted to play in the nhl and compete and then mark crawford came in and you know, at the time i i wouldn't say that i really enjoyed him but looking back he you know after those other guys i mentioned he had a huge impact because he clearly understand the type of player i need to be and how to be intense all the time and on players and physical and nasty like and I, I, you know, it turned out that's, I loved it. I, I look back, like, I love the way I played. And he recognized that along with Don, hey, that's how I do it. And he pushed me. Crow would yell and scream. And, you know, he, he, he'd get me wound up. And then he'd be chasing someone down on the ice to, to try to murder them. He'd be like, <laughs> what happened? I'm like, I'm not sure, but that guy wound me up, you know? So, so did um, the yelling work for you, Strudz? Or, or? Uh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't mind yelling. What was yelling. your preference over the years? Yeah, I didn't mind yelling. You know what? I, I would just get mad and... Um, you know, I, I, you know, I think there's different, so, you know, there's yelling to motivate someone, but there's yelling to belittle someone. Yeah. And I think there's two different ways. And I, I recognize yeah. that probably neither are acceptable today, but I, I liked when people challenged me. Like I, I remember a case where um, I was sitting on the bench in Vancouver and Mark Crawford comes by and he's like, man, that Jeff Audrey is a really powerful man. And like, <laughs> I, I had an ego. I thought I was big and strong. I'm like, no. what did that guy say? Then he comes back like a few minutes later, he's like, man, that Jeff Audrey's. He's owning our corners. I'm like, are you fine? Like, I, I just, I'm like, are you kidding me? And then just happened the next shift, Strudwick against Rogers. Well, guess what happened to poor Aji? We're fighting. And for no reason, like he didn't do anything wrong, but I was, I had an ego, right? And you have to have a sport. But then, he, you know, if he had gone down and said, Strudwick, you know, whatever, like you suck compared to him. Like, that's not, to me, I, I, I don't, that's not really, I don't think that's a positive, but you can motivate by challenging people. And I think that Mark did a good job with specifically for me with that, uh, getting me to, to understand that you can appeal to my pride and uh, it, I'd make it a very hard night for whoever you were, you know, you're, you're, you're going to put sick, put me out against. It's funny that you threw out the Jeff Rogers. When you talk about guys that, that worked their way to the NHL, yeah. Audrey's absolutely one oh, yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Like, he had to work like a dog yeah. to get there and stayed there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I love that guy. He, you know, after, yeah. after in Atlanta, we, we fought, I don't know how many times. I don't know why. It wasn't like we were, we didn't have a problem with each other when we fought. Yeah. So after this one fight in Atlanta, I remember, we sit down, I'm sitting in the penalty box. So he's like, hey, Strutty, who are you going to fight when I retire next year? I'm like, 
I'm glad I won't have to fight you anymore. (laughs) Awesome. Like, okay, like, it wasn't like one of us beat each other up, but like, there's a lot of respect there in that in that moment for two yeah. guys. We under, we kind of understood that was just our jobs. I enjoyed I, uh, a couple of tilts with Rogers and uh, yeah, in he's tough, days. hey. Yep. He was tough. Oh, yeah. go down. Oh god, he was tough. Yeah. Audrey uh, and I did some uh, Shaw TV WHL games together, okay, yeah. and yeah, yeah. just yeah, salt of the earth as good as, as good as it gets. <laughs> uh, Stretty, you you have an NHL shootout goal to your resume. Um, I need to know the details on this because I mean. This is where that nobody, golf ball yeah, training. Uh, yeah, nobody's going to confuse you with like yeah. a prolific goal score at yeah. well, almost every level. Uh, tell me about the shootout yeah. goal. Like, how did this all happen? So this is after lockout of four hundred five, and so they okay. changed the rules to include a shootout. So you know, I was with the Rangers, and we had like Yager and uh, Nylander. We had good players, and and Henrik Lundqvist was our goalie. So, you know, we'd been in a couple of these already. So I figured out pretty quickly that old Uncle Strutty wasn't getting attacked. Um, you know, in the, sh- in, the, in the overtime, four and four, Perry Perrin, I don't know why, like, he'd always put me in for the third shift. So there's usually like four or five shifts in overtime, and I'd go for the third one. And so after that third one, I would, I'd literally, I'm not even lying, I'd literally go down and loose up my skate because I knew I wasn't getting back up there. There was no way. And so um, I got my third shift against Washington in overtime. And then I lose not this case and we go into the shootout. So it's Olaf Kolzeg for Washington, Henrik Lundqvist West. So good goaltenders, right? Yeah. So we send out our best guys, you know, I uh, forget whoever Yager, let's say, and Nyland, or Nylander and Straka. And they send out like Ovechkin, some really good players. So, and I think one group we scored or whatever, but we were tied, no problem. You know, so you, you keep going, now four, now five, now six. But what happens is the goalies are still good. They're not putting in progressively worse goalies, but the shooters are progressively getting shittier. So the yeah. odds of a goal, they, they, the math doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah. so Charts are going the opposite. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, it's a big problem. So we get up to seven, eight, nine. I think someone scored around eight or nine. And around eight, I'm like, holy shit. Like these, some of these guys are putting out here are pretty brutal. And, um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Someone please score. It gets to 10, 11. Like now I don't even care who scores. Like I just want this thing to end. Because I yeah. know that the guys are putting out aren't that much far from, uh, from me. So it gets to 12 and, and our trainer, Jim Ramley, is always like, you better do your skates up. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, like this is crazy. So I do. Even I, the know, trainer knows. I, yeah, <laughs> I put my, oh, he knew because I used to walk off. It's a big joke, right? So now I do my skates up and I, I can't remember if it's like 13 or 14 and the players are shit that are going out there. So I think it, they, they sent out Brian Muir. He scores on Henry Lundqvist. Actually a pretty nice goal. So now it's just, it's me, this guy, Merrick Malik, um, who'd end up scoring the winner. Uh, mm-hmm. Dar- Darius Kasparitis, who literally had like oven mitts, I think, underneath his uh, <laughs> hockey gloves. He was awful. Uh, this guy, Fedora Toon, who had broken his finger. It was at a, a really bad angle. And the yeah. backup goalie. So the four of us are sitting there. I'm just like, oh my God. So Tom Rains, our coach, and he's to our right. I'm just sitting there. And it's like you're in school. Like, I'm, I'm just going to not even look at him. And all of a sudden, you're a strutty, you're up. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm going to pretend I didn't even hear him. So all of a he's like, study, study. I look over and he goes like this. Like, I'm like, Big are you kidding me? Yeah. So I jump over the bench and I'm like, I'm trying to do like the young blood. I'm twirling my stick. I have no idea what I'm doing. The fans are going like, they're all excited, right? But we need a goal. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be the loser. doesn't score. So, um, you know, I think I'm going to shoot over his cold like shoulder. Because I like shooting shelf in yeah. practice. Let's get it clear. And uh, I, I mean, chatter, baby. He's yeah, 10 feet. He's, yeah, he's 10 feet tall. I can't get it over. So 
I wheel down and I'm so nervous. And as I'm skating down to look over, our team, my teammates are already walking down the hall. They know this. Oh thing. yeah, it's over. <laughs> There's no way we're gonna score. So I go and I shoot, and you know, you can call it fanning right, but I put it underneath his arm instead of over, and I score. And I'm like, I don't think I was even happy. I was just relieved that I wasn't the loser that, that didn't score the world's longest shootout so far at that point, right? Yeah. So I come down, I come flying, I'm high five, I'm just jacked. And then uh, American League goes and does the one between his legs and yeah. scores. But it's a great memory. Like, I don't have a lot of individual memories. And, and this one is kind of a team because I kept it going. But I was, I was just so – and I, I remember I called my parents. And I said, hey, you know, they weren't even home. Like, you better watch this game. And, and they're like – they called me the next day. Like, we didn't even know what you were talking about. We were watching the whole game and nothing. Then we got to the show. Like, well, what did we miss? He's never in the shootout. And so even my parents are chirping me about it. <laughs> that is awesome. Hey, you got a shootout. Uh, you got a shootout goal. Like that's that's quite yeah. a feather in your cap. It, it was pretty fun. When I got a little older, especially with Pat Quinn, I would, used to we used to be uh, you'd have a shootout. I'd be like, I guess we don't want to win tonight. I, I would, like when yeah. it was time for a shootout. <laughs> yeah, and and like we had a lot of we had some pretty good danglers. But he would even look at me like, guess we don't want to win, eh, Pat? We don't want to win tonight. Like just to chirp him, and he's like, uh, he's like, shit out, sit down, you're yeah. shit. Yeah. Like okay, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> but you you are one for one. One for one. One for okay, one. I was going to ask that. So no other, yeah. no other shots the whole no. career. It's um, in my business. It's on my business card. <laughs> I like that. I like uh, that you, on there. You like going to Tombstone, Stratty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should be. throw that on there. You lived a great life, one for one. one. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> one. one for one. Uh, yeah. You signed with the Oilers. You played three years uh, in your hometown of Edmonton. What was that like uh, coming back to play for the Oilers? Well, coming back as an older person is really good. Um, you know, as a rookie, I think would have been detrimental to my career. You know, there's a lot of distractions when you're at home, um, you know, between, you know, family and friends and people pointing in this direction. And when I came back, as a, I think I was 30, I knew exactly what I was like as a player. Yeah. And I knew what I wanted to help people out with. And I, I really involved my family and my friends in, in mm-hmm. like being in the NHL. They could come to practice anytime, all that stuff. But as a young person, I think it'd be tough. And um, I, I would not want it for my son to be drafted by the Oilers. Um, not not because it's organization, just the hometown. Now, right, right. I live somewhere else, no problem. Um, I just, uh, but um, you know, then then it was great. You know, we didn't have the most success, uh, especially the last couple of years. But like on a professional level, to kind of um, open doors when I was done playing, um, you know, I, I was still the same person before I played for the Oilers. But all of a sudden, now I played for the Oilers, and people recognized me walking down the street. You know, like it was. Yeah, I used to go to the bars, not many, when I was younger. And uh, in White Ave, when I was 24 and 25, playing for the Canucks, no one even recognized me. Now I'd go into a 7-Eleven to buy a Slurpee at seven, you know, after a game. And people were like, oh, my God, it's Jason Strudwick. I'm like, I've been here the whole time. Like, what's changed? Um, Mr. So, one and one. Yeah, one there for yeah. one. Well, I'd give him give my, my business card, right? Like, call me. Call yeah, me good call. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's, it, was, it was different. It was, um, like, that was a great part. And being home and sharing with my mom and dad, you know, we, yeah. I got them season tickets, and we, they went to all the games. And, and my sister and her young family, like, I, I just, I love every, every single minute of it. I love being in Empton and being there. When you were a kid, did you get to, did you get some games at Rexall? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah. did. We go, you know, people um, give us tickets and stuff. And but like I said, like, we, you know, growing up, it wasn't, um, I wasn't like, I, I, I love playing hockey, but it wasn't like my, you know, you, you hear people, I, he, all he did was think about and dream. And I, I didn't really think about it. Like, yeah. I honestly, I did, I wanted to be an accountant. I wanted to go to U of A and be an accountant. And that was my, my dream. Um, you know, things played out a little differently, but I, I it just, 
I, I think that I'm an anomaly in that way because now, you know, you, you see the graph and this guy plays hockey 72 hours a day. It's like, oh, okay, well, I get it. But, you know, I, I just is a little different. And yeah. um, I had a different skill set that translated to what they needed then than maybe what's needed now. What do you um, think about that, Streds? You, you talk about, you know, growing up and, you know, your kids today, the kids you're coaching, 72 hours a week playing hockey. Yeah. In, you, in your mind, what, what's that perfect balance? What should it be? Well, I mean, it, it's a much more skilled game. And I think you yeah. have to put time in to build a skill. Like, it's actually embarrassing. Some of the things I try to show the kids, I can barely do. So I think I top out, like, after a 10-year-old, I shouldn't be coaching kids anymore because I can't do the skills. Um, but I think there's got to be some balance. You know, I think there's got to be um, and not even balance just like from playing one sport to another, but balance in that hockey, there's got to be some just good times. So we have a little yeah. rink in my backyard sure. and, you know, the kids go up there and they just wheel around and play. The, you got rink boards? You got sponsors? What? No, no. Well, I'm looking for one if you guys are interested. Okay. No, well, <laughs> under consideration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a homebrew. It's just a homebrew. It's like, I have like two by tens and stuff. And Perfect. Like, and they go up there. There's sometimes they'll be like, Hey dad, can you come out and work this? No problem. But just to just enjoy the freedom of doing what you want. Like yeah. it's a game. And I, I, I think if you make it a business at a really young age, that you're going to have some kids spitting out of the sport. Um, I think that's why, I mean, I was, I, like I said, I love playing basketball. It's probably actually my favorite sport. Unfortunately, I couldn't jump high enough um, to really have an impact in basketball, but like, I, I, I love that sport. And I, my, no one ever really showed me what to do, but I loved it. And then I think it translated to hockey. So you know, having multiple sports is good, although it's, it's a little hard yeah. right now. But, um, you know, just, just the game part. I think they have to have that flexibility. Just play the game and enjoy yeah. it. Right on. So your last few years, Streds, would you say that you started putting the, the game plan in place to start to transition into after hockey life, you know, on the business side? You've enjoyed a you know a great career in media, and, and your wife has a retail store, and you're involved with all kinds of things. Tell tell us a bit about when you started thinking about that and what that transition looked like. Well, I was lucky, you know. Um, a lot of people don't like this person, but Rob Brown really helped me a lot in the transition. You know, Rob Brown is not an attractive man, uh, but not he's got a lot of good. <laughs> no, he, he is ugly. He's ugly guy. Um, Ugliest former Kamloops Blazer he, ever. Oh, for sure. For sure. And uh, so, but, you know, with all due respect, like Rob Brown, you know, we've been friends for a long time. But I remember one of my, uh, like, second or last year, uh, he, he was doing the radio broadcast, and we sit together all the time. And he said, he goes, you know, what are you going to do when you're done? I'm like, well, you know, I like the media. And he's like, my advice to you is that if you get asked to do anything, say yes. So, you know, for, so like, uh, hey, do you want to run? Like, so for instance, the day I retired, I got calls, people, can you work with my kids to be D-men? I'm like, I don't really want to, but yes, I will. And from that has come out a bunch of, uh, I've, I've got my own D-man camp now in the summers. Um, you know, and then, you know, things like uh, speaking engagements. I, you know, I don't really want to go talk to the uh, Woodchuckers Association of Red Deer, but I'll go do it. And I go down there and, yep. and next thing you know, there's more opportunities, right? And then, the Woodchuck you know, things, good. Yeah, yep. yeah. well, the Woodchucks are some of my favorite of, uh, of all people in Red Deer. But, you know, the, it, it's just by saying yes and, 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 and understanding like, just be open to ideas and uh, trying different things have, you know, that led to me, you know, like you said, being in the media now, um, there's some camps I run, things like that. Um, it's been really neat. Some opportunities have come around. Um, and Rob Brown was great about that. And he, you know, he kind of, when you retire, people think it's cool that you were an NHL player, but you were an NHL player. You're no longer right. a current one. So people really don't care. So you have to reinvent yourself. Like, you know, so what I did is I, when I do my radio show, I'm very open and honest. I try to tell people, 
what I'm about, things that happen to me, like they kind of get to know you like that, like not quite like Howard Stern, but you get the idea. People felt like they were his friends. Yeah. And they could, they knew what he was thinking, what he was going, what, what would Howard do right now? And I, on a smaller scale, I try to do the same thing because although you were an HL player, there's, there's a lot of people that were. So how do you reinvent yourself to, to be relevant to today and be able to be um, something people want to have or talk to or be a, have them have you around? So you talk about lots of, uh, you know, practicing with the golf ball for hockey for, you know, you get on TV, you're on the radio. What, what are you doing off, off air to get better at what you're doing aside from talking brownie lots? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, are you talking about better in the media or just better? Just, just, yeah. Like, you know, you said you were given a crack to, okay, all of a sudden you're, you're on TV. (laughs) You got to show that, that, uh, do you practice live or do you, what were you doing? Off air. Yeah. So when I, when I first started, I listened to myself a lot. I listened to other people whom I respected um, in the business, like yeah. you know, different radio broadcasters and their style. And it just it wasn't just limited to sports. I don't think it, you know, it's just content, right? But the way you deliver a message, the way you talk, interact with people. Um, and then when I got to TV, which was craziest. So I did a show called Dinner TV for two years. And it was basically like Good Morning America, except it was at dinner time. And it was like such a, you want to talk about uncomfortable. It was politics um it was social issues it was like everything uh, lgbtq um issues women's issues i hosted panels for ladies and i never think and the producer being my ear she's like you gotta ask this question like there's no effing way i'm asking that question <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna kill me she's like ask the question i'd be like this i'm not i'm not asking. i'm not and um and it was like i grew so much as a broadcaster but as a human like i, First, I really yeah. kind of got to understand um, different sides. And I, I, I think that, you know, when I was playing hockey, you're kind of in a bubble um, and your, your, your world's very focused, very dialed in. I work out, I eat, I go and I, I play hockey and yeah. you've not really seen what's going outside. So to, to be part of that for two years, it was an amazing thing to see. And through that, like I watched, like I watched a lot, like uh, Matt Lauer, I, I watched what, how he talked, how slow he spoke, um, all that stuff. Like those guys, you know, like just seeing how they interact and, studying other people so that that was how i try to improve yeah uh, i still can't pronounce names so I, that'll probably never happen but uh you know maybe one day the um tell us a bit about the highs and lows you've experienced of of uh you know entrepreneurism you know like you say you're running a few things yourself and obviously we grew up learning to hopefully win games but we lost a lot along the way too yeah you know what i i'm pretty conservative when it comes to that. I, I um, my wife has a business, uh, your mom attorney, and she's been in business like 14 years. Nice. Her and my sister opened it up and uh, they, they had no idea what they were doing. You know, and I thought that would be like enough wildness in our family. And, um, you know, they're lucky they're doing well and, you know, people continue to have babies. Um, but for me personally, you know, I, I, you know, you, sometimes you're asked to get involved in stuff and it's, you know, I, 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 I treasure my time, my downtime. Um, with my family. I have a very young family. They're seven ninety nine, and you know, everything's about choices. And um, you know, if I'm going to go do something, you know, every night of the week and run like a hockey program, right. something suffers, right? And I'm not with my kids. And in fact, you know, I, when I retired, I, I wanted to be a coach. I, I really thought it'd be great to be a coach. And I had offers to go and start in the AHL and work my way up. But I, I made the choice that I, I want to be home with my kids and not away coaching because coaching the time they put in is yeah. ridiculous. Like it's, you're never home. And I, and I'm not saying the guys make that choice are wrong, but I made the choice to not coach. And, um, 
you know, people thought I was crazy, but I, I love it because I'm with my kids now. I get to coach them, see them every day and be home. So everything's about choices. So I really try to manage my time as much as I can, but you still have to have that public persona when you're on the media. You still have to be out there, be seen and doing yeah. things. It's, it's a challenge. You know, it's, I think people forget if you don't have kids, you can do whatever you want. And when your kids are older, they don't really want you anyway. So, but I'm in a sweet spot where they actually think I'm pretty cool still. So I'm trying to really <laughs> manage and respect that um, for as long as it lasts, I guess. I, Enjoy I was it. almost free, Struds. They, my kids were almost out, and yeah, then we just right, had to right. have that fourth one come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sure. was sent here to kill us. That, uh, yeah. So here we are. We're, we're recording virtually, and uh, you've got a new business that, that's virtual. Yeah. And tell, TK Hockey, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so just before the – or just actually during the, when the beginning of the pandemic, I, uh, I have a friend, and he's always got these ideas. And he said, got to go – I met this guy at this thing called Sense Arena. And I'm like, oh God, I don't want to drive up to the north side and try to sing out. So I go in there and it's in this guy's garage. I, I'm like, he's going to bring the gimp out. Like, I didn't know what was going on, right? <laughs> so we, we walk in there and, and it's just me and we, we put this helmet on and it's a virtual world. And it's, you're dropped right in the side of an arena. And um, I was like, within five minutes of doing this, I'm like, this, this is a great tool. And I think you guys can appreciate this. You know, when you're working with hockey players, uh, we work on skating, we work on skills, um, you know, the skills can be passing, shooting, with all that stuff. But hockey IQ is something that is difficult to work on in many ways. And part of the problem is that if we create a drill with, let's say, the three of us, you know, you two guys, just like me, are going to make mistakes. So the drill breaks down. But in this virtual world, everyone's perfect except for the user, right? So I think that's where I like about it. So a simple drill would be, um, you know, playing pig in the middle, the three people and one guy in the yep. middle. And you know, it, it, the, the, the person in the middle might take away. The one option take away. The other option might come at you, put your stick on one side or the other. So you have to get your head up. You have to think about where you're gonna make the plays. And that's a pretty entry level drill, but then there's others like, you can be anywhere you want in the power play and you're, you're making passes based on what you see. And um, I've been, you know, so I, I, um, I joined them and uh, we now have it set up at the River Cree. Um, it's under tkhockey.ca. You can check it out. And I, yeah. you know, I, I have, I've used it myself. I wish I would have used it earlier. This for goalies as well. NHL goalies are buying this for themselves. Uh, my sons are both doing, I have seen, I've seen a change in them. So they're like my case study and I've seen improvement in them and the way they've, they've kind of, um, it, it just creates those habits of looking and seeing what, yeah. you know, actually looking and remembering what you've seen rather than just looking and not seeing anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a really neat program and they're using it a couple times a week and you know, it's, they love it. It's like a big video game for them. Um, yeah, but totally. there's a lot of benefit as a coach. Where do you see that going? Is that going to be every rink in North America? What's uh, the future look like for that? Well, there are NHL teams are buying it and there's, okay. you know, a lot, there are some private users they're, they're buying it. It's pretty expensive yeah. technology and you need a quite a bit of space. Um, but like for, for me, what I hope is that, you, you know, I'm gonna get my team on my son's team on this year. And just see that improvement because it's, it's habits of, you have to call for the puck. Um, you have to get your head up and look, look around and see who's available for an option and, and recognizing things like that. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could see, you know, actually starting in Czech and there's a lot of people in Czech that are using it there. And it's now coming to North America, becoming more mainstream, but I, I don't think it replaces skills, but what is it? It's, 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 um, it helps to provide a different way of coaching. And it, it, yeah. you get uh, Good a lot of tool. Yeah. You do it, yeah, augments it. So you do, you go in for a 30 minute session. You might have to make, you know, 100 decisions or 80 decisions. In a practice, a player might make maybe 10 decisions, you know, like, so you're getting so many more decisions being made. I think the more times you can 
see a situation, you'll recognize it more clear in a game and be able to make the right play with, with the skills you work on in practice. Mooner, you were going to ask something? Well, yeah, you're yeah. Uh, you're, you're north side guy. I grew up in the north side, so I can understand your apprehension of, <laughs> of north, going north there end, and, north end. There and the, whole, the whole gimp thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, what did Jerry you know, call it? The, the north end mafia? The, yeah. The, yeah, north side mafia. That's right. Yeah, mafia. We had Jerry Johansson on. That's oh, yeah, all the Maple sure, Leaf yeah, Athletic yeah. Club guys are all the <laughs> yeah. north side mafia, yeah, of, of which I'm a proud member. Yeah. Uh, now, did this guy create the technology? Yeah. Wow. So like that's got, that's quite something. Yes. Yeah, so I talked to the creator. He's a Czech guy. So I, I like I said, after I, I went in there thinking I was, this is a joke, like I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so the guy that um, he's, a, he's a Czech guy and we had a, a conference call with him and my partner and him. And I talked to him for probably 30 minutes. I'm like, where'd this come from? He's like, well, you know, my, my son, I saw my son, you know, in Czech, they were doing all the normal stuff, power skating, skill sessions, all that. They go, I didn't see it translating to real-time results in, in games. You know, he was, he was able to do um, all the stuff in practice, skate around pylons and stuff, but it wasn't translating. So he's a, this guy is a self, you know, I can call him, he's a self-proclaimed computer nerd. So he's like, I'm gonna try to create something that we can do virtually. So he started this up and there's about 90 drills now on the program, um, but you don't move. You, you, you basically, you're in a 20 by 20 area, but you really don't move. You might move, you know, laterally three feet or something, but. The idea is that, you know, it, it trains your memory as well. So a, a, a drill might be, um, you know, you're standing outside the blue line and there's six great, the figures look like pawns from chess. So they're all moving around like crazy. Then all of a sudden for a split second, three of them turn red. Then they keep moving again. Then you have a puck and you have to pass to the three red ones that you remember. Okay. And then if you get it right, wow. it's good. If not, you know, then it goes again. <laughs> yeah. So that's just one example. And so you're training the brain to remember and to think so I don't just think that it benefits the hockey player. I think it benefits the, the scholar that like in school, yeah. you're, you're more focused. Um, and so what they do is you go in, you can try it out. Then you go for a, um, they'll test you out. You have a testing protocol and then they'll spit out, say, these are, you know, lolly strengths. These are his weaknesses. And they trade, they send out a unique training protocol just for him. And then you've got to go through and you, you go through all these modules and that takes about another eight sessions and then you're done. And then you do another, they test you again, yeah. and then you set up another thing. So you hope over time it's changed. And still, even when I saw that, I'm like, okay, how can this really be? So I, I know a guy in uh, Massachusetts that has one, and he's had it for just over a year. And he's like, study, honestly. He doesn't have any kids, but he works with kids. He's like, the kids are going regularly. I've seen such a change because they're now seeing the plays. You know, a lot of us now, everyone's sticking around doing these things with their head down. But now their head is up because you have to. And you're yeah. now seeing, and they're making the plays. And it, it, like I feel that the skills have never been higher in, in hockey, but I don't think we're able to make as many plays. And I, I like players that make plays. And I'm not talking about dangling through three people. I'm saying, yeah. get your head up. I see someone open, I pass it to them. Then I, I, I move to an open space. So I think my hope um, is going to be this is going to help people, you know, see reads and, and and be able to make those plays off the reads they see. And I, I think there's a huge benefit for it. Um, but again, it's not replacing on ice training, but right. what is it's really going to help kind of fill in the gaps that I, as a coach, I know I can't do. Yeah. I can't teach hockey uh, IQ to every single player, every practice. Well, that level of reps that you can get in with, yeah. with a machine like mm-hmm. that. And well, maybe for you radio guys, there'll be the, the play by play module that you can just pop that <laughs> right. on and yeah. call a game from right. the comfort of your couch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, life on radio is good for you. You're you're on. I was wondering why is it not the 
the Jason Strudwick show yeah. instead of the Jason Greger show. Yeah. What what's got to happen yeah. to change that? Yeah, you're not the first person to say know. that. You know, I think my mom and I are the two people that think it should be changed. <laughs> uh, but no, you know what? Greger is. Uh, you know, we talk about one of those guys that's a true professional. Like he started out with with not you know with not nothing, but with really no rep, and now he's built himself up to have a you know he has his own show, and um, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, you know, he challenges me all the time on things nice. I say and. Uh, he's really into the numbers, you know, so he'll, if I say something, he'll challenge the numbers and it's, he's, he's really interesting. Like I really enjoy our relationship. Um, I think our show is continues to grow. Um, you know, it'd be nice if we had hockey and we knew it was going to start and make our life a little easier, not just for NHL, but I'm talking right through down to, yeah, right through. you know, yeah. AJHL or whatever. So let's hope that gets all. but I love it. I, I love what I do. Um, you know, it's, I think, you know, people always say, if, it's, if you don't feel like you're going to work, it's not. And I, I don't feel like it's really work. I, I go in there and the thing I, that I like the best about radio, I, I didn't enjoy about TV, is the ability to go off on a tangent. And yeah. I think that, you know, people that know me, I, there's sometimes I just get off and I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth, but it's so much fun. And I love that. I love that. About, he knows. He can just tell when, yeah, he can just tell when it's coming and he just gets out of the way. And he's like, uh, like the other day we were talking about Avengers, the movies. I've watched them all once. And someone challenged me to explain them. So I was like, I was explaining these movies. I really have no idea what, but I, you know, you can't back down. So I was just telling everybody <laughs> what the Avengers mean and stand for. And people love it. And that was like a 10 minute talk we had. It was unplanned, unscripted. And I love that. That freedom, I think is, it goes back to what I talked about before. People get to know you. They want to feel like they want to hear what is, what is Cam Moon going to yeah. say to me? Like, what is he about? And I'll be stopped in the street. People are like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, well, what did I say? Well, I don't really remember saying that, but yeah, I, I agree with it. But when it comes to hockey, I'm, I'm very specific. But when we get all those ad lib things, I love. That's what I love about it. It's just, it's like your buddies in a bar, and you're just kind of BSing. That's, <laughs> that's the best part of it all. Well, TV's so regimented, and you yeah. you have so little time, yeah. and yeah. you can't get into stories. And the, to me, the best radio is is the storytelling. And I know when, yeah. when you and Gregor have uh, NHL guys on telling stories, and recently yeah. you, had, you had Butch Goring on. That was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was, yeah. I was riveted to it yeah. because you guys had guys, you know, telling these great stories. The beauty of radio is that it's, uh, it's just so much more freedom. It's so great. Like, all those NHL guys, we call it story time. Yeah. We, all they do is just press, hello, hi, play, and they just start talking. And they yeah. just talk because they have so many great stories. And every one of them, We've had, like you said, we've had guys that won. Well, we had Scott Niedermeyer, obviously, yeah. arguably the greatest offensive of his generation, down to a guy like uh, Steve McIntyre, who played like 100 mm -hmm. games. But they all have stories. And I love hearing about their climb because it's never a straight line. There's no, no It's rare there's a straight climb like Paul yeah. McDavid or Sidney Crosby. Everyone is like, in this league, that league, this coach hated me. He broke his leg. And then his billet fixed him with some kind of an elixir. Like, I love, I love that because that, to me, the stats don't tell you much. I, I don't think stats tell you much. Like goals no. and assists. Yeah. You can see, okay, Mooner scored 87 goals. Okay, he's a good scorer. But how? Mm. Why? How did he learn to do this? What did he do? Like, what were his challenges? Like, yeah. I love that. I love the stories. Well, that was, you know, that was the roots of Top Cheddar. We, you know, sure. the stories coupled yes. with, we love hearing the business side of things, yeah. like kind of sure. what you're doing and, you know, one week we have a Con Smythe winner. The next week we have a one-on-one -one, uh, shootout. Uh, okay, one for one. Great. Like, you know, it's a roller coaster ride of guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. About to really promote this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason Strudwick, thank you so much for joining yeah. us on Top Cheddar. Yeah. And uh, folks, big thanks to our sponsor, 
uh, twigandberries.ca, all the men's apparel that you need. Uh, Strads, I'm sure you could enjoy a pair of underwear too that they, they put out there. They got some quality stuff. Uh, be sure to check that out. If you haven't yet, be sure to uh, subscribe to the show. We're available on all the platforms, you know, your Spotify, Google, where else are we, Mooner? A couple spots. Apple, you know. All those places. Those yeah. Places. Head to topcheddar.ca. Uh, all kinds of great. Geez, we've had just some. You talk about story time there, Struds. Uh, the, the, the hour we get to spend together each week uh, listening to these great stories. And thank you for being part of that. Really enjoyed having you on this week with us. Anytime, guys. Thanks, awesome. Struds. Take care, everyone.